expand your mind and enrich your world. It's time for another outstanding podcast from ICRT. Today on Taiwan Talk, we'll be speaking to one of the co-founders of Camp 4 Press, a new digital publishing house based in Taipei that specializes on English-language books about Taiwan and its surroundings. The publisher was launched earlier this year, but it's already built up a collection of non-fiction offerings, all released in a digital format. Joining us now over Skype is Michael Cannings. Michael, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, thanks for having me on the show, Keith. So I've read a couple interviews with you, and, and you've said in one of those interviews that uh, one of the goals for starting Camphor Press is to help support authors who are writing about Taiwan and its surroundings who uh, might otherwise not get backing for their work, not, might not be able to find a publisher. So why, why is that a goal of yours? I think there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff that's being written about Taiwan, but in the past, options have been pretty limited um, for people who want to publish. Uh, you can write a blog about it, um, but if you want to get your work out to a wider audience, then you're kind of limited to either the academic presses, um, in which case your writing needs to have a certain tone um, and be suited for an academic audience, or you can go with government publishers and so on. But there wasn't really a platform for interesting writing about Taiwan, the kind of things that we wanted to read. So... Yeah, we decided to do something about that and set it up ourselves. Why do you think there is that shortage of uh, writing for the popular audience about Taiwan? Uh, I don't think there's any lack of writers, to be honest. Um, I think it's the, the platform that's missing. Um, and I think probably the reason it's missing uh, is down to economics. There is a relatively small audience of English uh, speakers, English readers, uh, who are interested in Taiwan. And so if you're wanting to... Uh, set up an entire publishing concern around uh, Taiwan, then you have to be very careful with the financial side of it to make sure that it's viable. Uh, I think if you were going, to this, going into this as a pure businessman and saying, you know, where's my next million going to come from, uh, it wouldn't be through publishing English language books about Taiwan. So you really need uh, somebody or a group of people to get together who are passionate about the subject. And while we need this concern to, to, to break even and you know it, it makes a little bit of profit. It's not really the primary motive. The main thing for us is about providing this platform that's been missing in the past. So what makes you passionate about this subject matter? Why do you think that uh, Taiwan is an important place to write about? I think if you look at other places in Asia, um, there's uh, a tremendous amount of writing about Japan, about China, about Thailand, um, and other areas, but but Taiwan has really been underserved unless you talk about the politics and particularly the cross-strait uh, issues. Um, when it comes to the, the culture and the art and the languages and the history of Taiwan, um, I think there's really been a lack of, of great writing um, about the island. There are a few books that stand out, but in general, uh, there's sort of a lack there that isn't seen in other countries. Uh, I think the reason that Taiwan deserves to be written about... Well, I think you could say the same about any country that's underserved. If you were talking about uh, Peru or Venezuela or uh, Burundi or, or wherever, you could find um, some interesting things to write about. But I think in particular, Taiwan uh, has so many facets that are, that are really unusual in the world. Um, this transition from a military dictatorship to a civil um, democracy, the peaceful transfer of power that happened, the the economic miracle um, of Taiwan, and this transition really from being uh, an agrarian 
and very traditional society in the 50s and 60s to being a very modern, advanced society that it is today, although still with some traditional elements mixed in. So I really think it's a, it's a fascinating place, and it's one that captures a lot of people's interest, I think. Do you think that there's uh, any practical impacts to uh, this lack of writing about Taiwan? Uh, do you, just, I mean, in terms of people's outside of Taiwan, their understanding of uh, the island, or even just how they think about it? I think so. I mean, I think uh, having this writing about a certain place is obviously going to put it higher in people's minds. So uh, Japan is extensively featured in, in films and in books, and uh, and not only in, in non-fiction, but in fiction as well. It's a, it's a ripe subject um, for, for novels and films. And because of that, it's placed higher in the public imagination. People will know where Japan is. People will know something about Japan, even if it's only on a very basic level. Whereas with Taiwan, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced the same. Uh, a lot of time people overseas don't really know anything about Taiwan, may get it mixed up with Thailand, uh, may not have a clear picture beyond maybe uh, computers or free China or Formosa in the case of my father, you know. So I think it's, it's significant in terms of developing a public um, place for Taiwan in the world, that if you have this sort of, I know governments try to create this sort of soft power, but if you have this, that, something that's, that's organic, that's growing up, talking about the island, um, then that's bound to have a knock-on effect to how people uh, see it from the outside. But I think also what you want to do is achieve... Um, a kind of balance so that people are not just talking about the cross-strait issues, uh, very important though those are, and they're not just talking about modern politics, but they're talking about uh, all of the vibrant things that go into making up this island. And I think um, we're not really going into this with the aim of promoting the island as such. Um, so, you know, if you want to say uh, bad things about uh, Taiwan, then we're quite happy to publish that, just as if you want to say good things. Um, what we want to do is give a, a realistic picture of the island and help people who, who are passionate and who want to share their experience and their knowledge of the place, uh, help those people to, to get the word out to a wider audience. Uh, so it's a pretty interesting name that the publisher has, Camp for Press. Uh, how, did you, how did you choose that name? Uh, this is actually one of the most difficult parts of, of getting the company up and running. I mean, I did think that negotiating all the regulations in, in Chinese and uh, getting accountants sorted out and registration and all of that would be tough. And actually that was quite straightforward. Um, but getting the name sorted was something that we batted backwards and forwards for months and months. Um, we came up with all sorts of things. But in the end, we wanted something, because our business is not just centered on Taiwan. We have books about China and we're moving into uh, books about the wider region as well. So there'll be things coming up from uh, Burma, Myanmar, uh, something about Japan and so on. So we're really an East Asia publisher rather than a Taiwan publisher. Of course, Taiwan is our focus. So we wanted something that wasn't explicitly tied to Taiwan, um, but at the same time reflected a sort of Asian um, identity. And uh, the camphor industry in Taiwan in the 19th century was incredibly important. It was one of the three main exports along with tea and sugar and uh, it's really a sort of good microcosm of what Taiwan was to the world it was sort of this mysterious place and camphor itself is a bit mysterious nobody's quite sure what you use it for uh, anymore and yet it represents something a little bit exotic um, the name camphor just seemed uh, appropriate so camphor press was actually founded uh, by three people including yourself uh, but also uh, Mark Swafford and John Ross, all of you are uh, pretty established in the uh, expat community in Taiwan. I've uh, spent a lot of time here, uh, kind of understand the island. And also, you're 
definitely serving quite a niche market, as, as you've already kind of alluded to. How do you think that your background as an expat has uh, prepared you guys to serve this market? I think um, the three of us bring different things to the company. So uh, um, whereas John is the natural writer, um, and you can ask him to, to produce something, whether it's for publicity or an introduction to a book or something, uh, you can sit down with him, you can listen to him talk, you can watch him write. Uh, and an hour or so later, he's come up with something absolutely fantastic that Mark or I would never be able to do. Um, Mark is the, the strong editor of the group. Um, so he's really focused on the technical side and getting everything word perfect. And then I mainly look after the business side. We sort of all take a turn in each of it, uh, each other's jobs, but, but that's how it normally breaks down. I think the expat experience um, feeds into that in a little way because... As an expat, I think you need to be a little bit more, you need to have your hand in a few more areas than you might normally do if you're working in your own country. So you might be asked to, in your regular job, to do some things to do with sales or do something to do with marketing or to do with uh, editing or so on. And that leads you to develop a few more skills in a few more areas. So I think if you're going to run a company like this, you need people with, with specialisms. But the ability to do lots of things... Uh, quite well um, is something that I think is uh, is inherent in lots of expats, maybe engendered by where they are, uh, and I think that's definitely helped us along the way. I think also what helps us is perhaps that the expat community in Taiwan is particularly close. Um, I don't know if you've spent time in other countries in Asia, but it's really quite different in Taiwan. There's an awful lot of intelligent people here who are on friendly terms with each other, it's really a great community for exchanging information and, and support. So it really, I think, makes Taiwan a better bet for this kind of thing than anywhere else. Can, can you say anything about what these readers are looking for in particular? Is there any kind of book that the English readers in Taiwan are, are, are particularly on the lookout for? Uh, I think there's, there's a lack of, of works for the general reader. Um, I was saying before about academic publishing, that there are a lot of academic books about Taiwan. Um, but there's really a, a lack of writing for the general reader who wants to understand the country but um, maybe doesn't want particularly to wade through a lot of dry academic writing. So what we've found, um, people who talk to us, uh, we, we get different responses of course, but I um, uh, had a customer say to me the other day that anything Canva Press puts out I will buy, uh, <laughs> which is a good compliment. I think that's on the strength of the early books that we produced because Everything that we do is, is, is targeted at a generally educated reader who's interested in Taiwan. So what well, we've had people say to us, well, uh, I want to learn more about the Dutch era in Taiwan uh, in the uh, 17th century. Or I want to know um, more about uh, the temples of Taiwan. Or I want to know more about um, the uh, economic development, or whatever it is. A lot of the expats are interested in reading about Taiwan. They have quite a broad approach to, to learning about the country. Maybe that's because there's not an awful lot of writing about Taiwan um, in print, and they just read anything they can get their hands on, like I do and like my fellow co-founders do. Um, but I think it's, uh, you know, while there is this interest in a, a few specific topics, we find that generally anything that we put out that we think is interesting enough to put out, there's a pretty receptive audience there for it. You are an e-publisher, and I'm, I'm wondering if... Uh 
the fact that you're releasing these books online and, and for things uh, where it's possible to you know read it on an e-reader in an electronic way, uh, does that help you serve this market in any way? Is that something that's specially suited for the kind of niche market that, that you're working for? Uh, I think e-books have a, a number of advantages which um, really help us in what we're trying to do. The issues around producing a print book, I think there's more input in terms of time in laying out the book and preparing it for print. But also there's capital expenditure that's needed. We need to put in money to buy stock. Um, and generally, you know, companies can expect you to print at least 500 at a time. So 500 times uh, 200 NT or whatever it costs you to print, and then you're looking at a significant investment uh, for each book. Then you've got to store them, you've got to sort out uh, postage, you've got to sort out returns and so on. So it's, uh, it becomes a, a big exercise and one that you need a fair amount of startup capital to get going. The advantage with ebooks, of course, is that everything's done online. You don't need a warehouse, you don't need a um, returns policy or anything like that. So you can get everything um, done, started up pretty cheaply. Uh, it enables us to spend a lot more time on working on the quality of the product rather than worrying about uh, printing costs and so on. So I think the great advantage that ebooks have for niche publishers is that they provide you with a a low entry point, a low entry, uh, a low barrier to entry, I should say. You know, you want to get started. You've got some great writing. How do you get it out to people in the most cost-effective way possible? How do you keep the cost down to the to the reader? If we were going to do these books in print. You know, we'd be looking at five, six hundred NT just to make the economics work. Whereas when we offer them as ebooks, then they're 180 NT or 220 NT or whatever. They're they're within a reasonable range that people are quite happy to to pay for. So I think without doing this in ebooks, it would be very difficult to get something like this off the ground. And I feel like it, it too. It kind of jibes with the kind of almost scrappy mentality that uh, you find in Taiwan. People find a, a way to make things work here. Uh, you know, they, they want to produce something and they'll, they'll get the people together and they'll find some way, you know, maybe it'll be online, maybe it won't be a traditional way, but they'll, they'll make it work one way or another. Well, I think that's Taiwan's great skill, really, isn't it? And maybe that passes across to the expats, too, is, is as you say, there's a, there's a sort of skill here at muddling through um, somehow with whatever you can lay your hands on. Uh, I think things have changed a lot for ebooks in the last few years as well. There's been a massive explosion in popularity um, in ebooks, and it just it opens up all sorts of new avenues that weren't possible before. I think if you'd wanted to do something like Camper Press 10 years ago, um, it would have been very difficult. It would have been difficult to persuade people to move to ebooks um, because there weren't many people reading ebooks at the time. But also, I mean, if you wanted to, to do it as a traditional publishing concern, I, I just don't think it would work. Um, at that time, what we're able to do now is, is start in ebooks, and then uh, once we have a bit of popularity going, uh, the next stage for us is going to be looking at um, doing print on demand, and so people will be able to buy our books in print as well. But I think ebooks for us will always be primary. Um, we will our books will always come out in ebook first, um, and then we'll be looking to print afterwards. And our ebooks will always be priced very competitively. So I think uh, they'll still remain the core of the business. So I want to talk now a little bit about uh, your collection that you have so far. So you already have uh, some books about traveling in Taiwan. You have 
uh, expat accounts of life in Taiwan, and and some of those interspersed within them is well researched uh, insights into Taiwan. And then in addition to that, you have re-releases uh, of classics that give accounts of Taiwan uh, throughout history. So uh, I'm I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about how it is that you choose which books you're going to publish. What kind of books are you interested in working on? Well, for the older books that we are republishing, I think there are a number of um, key factors we look at. The, the, the primary thing in any book that we publish is, uh, are we interested in it? The three of us who who run Camphor Press, um, and it has to it has to get a thumbs up from all three of us before it goes ahead. Uh, any one of us can veto any book. Um, with the with the older books that we've re-released, uh, it was important for us to to add something to make them accessible to a modern reader. Um, so, for example, with uh, Flight of the Lapwing by uh, H.N. Shaw, this book wasn't available elsewhere. Um, you could get uh, old editions from the time, but nobody had re-released this book recently. And it really told um, a great story about the East Asia of the time that he was writing. Now, the time he was writing was the 1870s, so a lot of the the geopolitical situation, or the commercial situation, society at the time, um, was obvious to his readers, but it's not obvious to people nowadays. Uh, so there's a lot of things that he doesn't bother explaining because they're perfectly logical to somebody who's reading it in the 1870s. But to somebody who's reading now, they need a bit of help. Um, so what we did is uh, we went through the book and added notes where necessary. So if there's any terminology that people wouldn't recognize or referring to an incident that would have been current at the time but has been forgotten now, then we'd add a note to tell people about it. Um, we'd also translate place names. Um, a lot of the place names have changed uh, since his day. And added uh, introductions to all the books to provide a, a context um, for what people are reading about. So in the case of The Flight of the Lapwing, the context is the Opium Wars, the treaty ports that were opened up just after the Opium Wars. And the Lapwing, the, the ship that he's sailing on, is, is a sort of police boat that goes around these waters, making sure that uh, piracy is kept down, making sure the Chinese keep to their end of the bargain in the treaties. And so, you know, you have to explain all that context to a reader before they can then dive into the text. So I think that's what we're able to do. Uh, with the other books that we've, we've produced so far... Um, through Formosa is fascinating um, tale of uh, of one man going through the island. Owen Rutter um, wrote this book during the Japanese era, and again, there are things that need explaining about the time and place um, to help the modern reader. But once you've got that introduction done, you've you've introduced the you've set the scene. Um, then the reader can easily dive into the text and and really enjoy it for what it is. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about. What kind of areas you think that Camphor Press will be able to take on itself, and uh, what maybe in the future? Uh, it seems like you're also kind of hoping to see other publishers sprout up, cover other areas. What other areas do you think that they would cover as well that uh, so far uh, you haven't been able to get into as deeply as, as you would have liked to? Well, I think if you look at the Chinese language press in Taiwan, then obviously they cover a huge range of topics, and the English language press is a lot more restricted. Um, People talk about the expat experience or they talk about uh, politics, history, and so on. Um, but those books that, that come out in Chinese that are talking about everyday Taiwan, um, talking about um, culture, about language, about all these things, um, and that same variety doesn't exist in English. 
So we would like some of those books that are published in Chinese to make, uh, not necessarily in translation, but some of those topics that they're talking about to um, make the jump to English. Now, I understand there's a smaller audience, so that's much, much more unlikely to happen, but we want to encourage as many people as possible who are interested in a niche area of this region um, you know, to, to, to write about it and to, to get published. So in terms of a, an area of publishing, we, we try to, to, to cover it all. Um, but just because there's, there's one book about um, uh, Taipei nightlife, for example, um, in English doesn't mean there can't be a second book. Uh, and I think that kind of that kind of competition, that kind of uh, um, blossoming of uh, of writing about the island, is really what we'd like to see. And if that means more publishers coming on the scene, then then great. We've been speaking to Michael Cannings. He's the co-founder of Camper Press, a new digital publishing house based in Taipei. Michael, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, thanks, Keith. It's been a pleasure. You can learn more about the publisher at camphorpress.com. Thanks for listening to Taiwan Talk. As always, we'd love to hear what you thought of today's program. You can leave us a comment on our Facebook page or rate and review Taiwan Talk on iTunes. That's it for today for ICRT. I'm Keith Menconi.